How many of y'all know what an earworm is? Have you ever heard of that? Right? It sounds disgusting, but it's not, right? It, it, an earworm is an unwanted song that runs through your mind that's difficult to get out. How many of you have ever had this problem before? Like a song is just stuck in your head and it's, it's crazy. Uh, well, according to Harvard Health, 98% of people have had this experience at one point in their life where a song just keeps coming back to their mind. But one third of the population finds that it happens so frequently that it threatens their inner peace, like it really drives them crazy. Uh, for them, they resist the song so much that it brings it back to their mind and it just causes frustration after frustration. But doctors literally say that if an earworm persists for more than 24 hours, that you're supposed to go to the doctor and check it out because it could be a symptom of OCD and you should consult your physician. So hopefully that's nobody in here. But uh, common culprits are the Macarena, right? The Macarena, however you say that. Uh, who let the dogs out? That's one Tori sings a lot for some reason. Uh, Karma Chameleon, that one's a, a one that gets stuck in your head too. But all these are common culprits, right? But the best song possible to get stuck in your head, the best songs possible are those found in God's Word, right? And there's a whole book in the Bible called Psalms, right? <laughs> right? It's a collection, Psalms is a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers. And 73 of these psalms are connected to King David. Asaph wrote 12. The sons of Korah wrote 11. And then there were many other worship leaders in the temple that wrote the psalms and contributed to those as well. And many of these are writings that were sung by the choir in Israel's temple. And these poems and songs are great because they're a good resource for us today as we continue to use them as ways to worship our God and use them even to add to our songs and use them as words to pray. Psalms is a great place to go if you're feeling uh, spiritually a little bit dry or maybe even a little bit dead. It's a great place to start. You open the book of Psalms and you jump into one of those uh, great, beautiful scriptures that can awaken our imagination and paint pictures of how majestic God is. Psalms is an awesome book of the Bible. And there are five major types of Psalms. And uh, we're going to talk about that over the next uh, four weeks, including today. Uh, but they really, if you boil those five Psalms uh, and those five major types of Psalms down to their core, they can really be uh, sorted into two larger categories, Psalms of praise and Psalms of lament. And Tim Mackey says this about poems of lament. He says, poems of lament express pain, confusion, and even anger that the writer was experiencing. They reference horrible experiences that have happened and events that were happening in their lives and around them. And they draw attention to what's wrong in the world and ask God to do something about it. There are a lot of these lament poems in this book of Psalms, which show us that this is an appropriate response to the evil and tragedy that we see in the world today. Just to, to feel the emotion and to ask God why and to say, God, why have you not moved? And why has your justice not flown out in this respect? Well, lamentations can play an important role in our journey of prayer. 
The first half of Psalms is laced with these poems of lament. But then we see a, a shift in the second half of Psalms from lament to praise. And that's profound because it tells us something about the process of prayer. That we don't ignore our pain, but we also don't live in it. We don't ignore our pain. We don't shove it down, but we also don't stay there. Uh, we should never shy away about taking our real problems to God. But after working through them and processing them, eventually we shift our focus from our problems to our faith and hope in God to comfort us and ultimately to save us. See, biblical faith and prayer is always forward-looking, anticipating the day when God fulfills his promises and praising him for them ahead of time. Lament and praise, struggle and surrender, faith and hope is what Psalms is all about. So there's these five major types of Psalms. We've got Psalms of Lament, which we'll talk about today. There's praise. There's lots of songs of uh, praise in the book of Psalms. Royalty, we'll talk about those. Thanksgiving and wisdom. And today we're going to tackle lament. That's exciting, right? Woo! How many want to talk about sadness and sorrow and depression? Yeah, right? Amen. <laughs> in 1965, the Beatles sang this song, Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away, and now it seems as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. That's a song of lament, right? It's not necessarily uplifting. It's kind of haunting, but it's real. It's real emotion. And lament is part of our lives that we like to hide from people. When we come to church, we like to put makeup and a big hat on our problems and hope nobody sees it. But the Bible encourages us to be genuine and not to swallow our feelings and struggles and not to act as if life is always fair and things are always peachy. But we worry that if we show our fear and doubt and confusion, then someone will question our faith. And this is why authentic community is important because you need to know people so well that you no longer have to put a show on anymore, that you can tell them where you're at and you can say, hey, I'm scared or hey, I have doubts or hey, there's some things in my life that I think are really unfair and I don't understand why they're in my life. Psalm uh, 3 in uh, the book of Psalms, obviously. Uh, David starts with this. Verse 1. It says, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. The sons of Korah are very honest in Psalms 42. And they say this in verse 23. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? Why, uh, for our soul is, is bowed down to the dust and our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. You can't say that to God, right? That's not okay. God, wake up. Are you sleeping up there? What's going on? 
I don't understand. I'm so low. It feels like I'm crawling on the ground. My soul is bowed down. Rise up. Wake up. Help us. Can't say that kind of stuff to God. But the Bible is not out of touch with reality, which is further proof of its authenticity, right? It would be way easier for these men to say, hey, leave that part out where I said all that stuff to God. That doesn't make me look very good, right? Don't, don't talk about that part. But the Bible doesn't censor itself. And God is not afraid of your honesty. Too often we like to clean ourselves up before we take things to God in prayer. And we act as if we have, uh, you know, everything figured out. But God knows us inside and out. Psalm 6.6, David said this, and this is extreme. He says, I'm weary with my moaning. I'm tired of crying. I've cried so much, I'm tired of crying. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I'm drowning over here. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. These are people with real problems, really big problems. And they're in the depths of despair. And they have little or no hope and they need help. These are real people. Christian Fox says that while the Psalms of Lament were written by a variety of psalmists in various circumstances and for varying reasons, they share a common structure and pattern. See, nearly all the laments move from this negative uh, heart-wrenching feelings to positive, from sorrow to joy, and from fear to trust. The laments represent a journey of the soul. In following the way of the psalmist, we can learn the art of lament so that we too can cry out to God in the midst of our pain. And we're going to see three common uh, elements that are found in the psalms. The first one is this. Crying out to God. Crying out. These songs of sorrow begin by this uh, outpouring of emotion to God. And they come before God just as they are, with tears streaming. They don't clean up their mess before they take it to God and seek out their Heavenly Father. God already knows what's going on in the midst of their hearts and minds, so they don't depend and uh, pretend like their lives are better than they actually are. The psalmist voiced the depths of their pain with vivid description and adjectives. That's the first step, is crying out to God. God, I don't understand. Why me? I don't get it. Are you listening? Number two is asking for help. The psalmist then ask for help, and they begin to beg God to rescue them. They ask for relief from their pain. They ask for help and salvation. Whatever their needs are, whatever they need, they say, God, I needed you to step in and provide this for me. Psalm 71, 12, oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. Hurry up, God, I'm at my wit's end. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't handle this anymore. I need you. You cry out to God. You ask for help. But then lastly, this is important. You respond in trust and praise. See, these songwriters don't cover their pain, but they also decide not to live in it. 
They don't allow themselves to be victims. They don't stay there. And you probably could uh, think of somebody that always, always, always is talking about how the world is against them and how they don't understand how something that happened 20 years ago, it's still fresh on their minds and they've decided that they're just going to live in their pain rather than saying, God, here's where I'm at. I need help. I'm going to trust you to provide what I need. As these psalmists cry out, they reference God's character and his past acts of salvation. They remember where they came from. They remember the times that God did answer prayer, the times that God did help and did show up. And they remember his power and his wisdom and his love and his faithfulness. And they dwell on that rather than their problem because they ultimately decide to trust in him. As these psalmists cry out to God and remember who God is and what he's done, they end their laments with this response of trust and praise and worship. See, sometimes when we read these laments, if you've read through the book of Psalms, you can uh, get to the end and the whole thing is about their sorrow. But then the end, they're like, God, I'm going to trust in you. And it seems like it's an abrupt ending to this big pouring out of uh, sorrow. And we might wonder how they can go so quickly from feeling as though their lives are ending to praising God. Well, you got to remember these things aren't written in real time. These people had struggled with these uh, problems and their sorrows. And they've gone through a journey of wrestling with their thoughts and emotions. Crying out to God over and over and over again. And then reminding themselves of the truth. And in doing so, they respond in trust and praise. Psalms 86, 12 says, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will gladly glorify your name forever. It's just a small taste of what we can use and learn from studying the pattern of laments that we see in the book of Psalms. And learning this pattern of a, and adopting it as our own will help us cry out to God when we have these struggles with our pain and our sorrow and our grief and our fear. And following the way of the psalmist, turning our gaze from ourselves and turning our gaze from our problems and toward the one that can help us is going to be very important for us as Christians. And the more that we do so, the more we're going to find ourselves in the presence of our gracious Father in heaven and that place where we can be encouraged. And it encourages us to go there in Hebrews 4, 16, where it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, the key here is not to get stuck. That's the key. The key is not to get stuck in your sorrow. When we feel the weight and the pain of our sorrow and, and, and we can sometimes be tempted to stay there, but we have to push forward from negative to positive, from sorrow to joy, and from fear to trust. Now, some people turn their fearful laments into complaints, and we need to avoid that. Christians should turn their fearful laments into prayers. We're, real quick, let's, before we finish, let's read uh, Psalms chapter 3. In this book, and in this chapter, David is writing it, and his son has betrayed him. His son Absalom has overthrown him as king and presumably was trying to kill him. I can't imagine what David must have felt in that time. 
sadness and pain and regret and depression and hopelessness. If my son Noah turned his back on me like that and overthrew me in whatever position I might have, I'm not sure how I could ever recover from something like that. And that's where we find David in this psalm. And in this and in other psalms as well, you're going to see this word selah. Uh, Scholars believe that that's a musical term that means to pause and to take a breath and to think on the things that just were said. So let's read through this slowly and see this transition from crying out to asking for help and to ultimately responding with trust and praise. The heading on this uh, says, A Psalm of David when he fled from uh, from Absalom his son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no help in him from God. Selah. Think on that. Pause. I cried aloud to the Lord, excuse me, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord. And he answered me from his holy hill. We see crying out. We see asking for help. And then it says, he was able to, after all this sorrow, all this pain, he asked for help. And then next we see he's able to sleep finally. I lay down and slept. And I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the, te- uh, uh, on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. See, I'm not sure where you're at today. I'm not sure what you're going through today. Or maybe what you've been going through for years. But maybe you need to lament this morning. Maybe you've avoided that because you've thought, well, if I just say those things to God, he's going to think less of me. He's going to love me less. Or, or maybe my spouse will think less of me. Or maybe my friends will. But God knows you inside and out. And you can't avoid those problems. You can't bottle them up. And maybe you need to lament this morning over your marriage. Maybe you need to lament over your financial situation or your children or over your health. It's okay to do. That's all right. It's good even to take a pause and to take a breath and to think on where you're at and what you need and what it means to lament. And then we begin to move from that negative to the positive. We cry out. We be honest. Then we ask for help. But ultimately, we decide not to live in our problems, and we respond by trusting and praising. Before the deliverance even comes, we don't wait and say, well, God, I'll praise you later on. I'll praise you once you get me out of this. No, we praise before because ultimately we know that God is good, that God is in control, and God loves us regardless of what we're going through. See, too often we like to rush our problems, and instead of actually facing them, we try to forget them, we try to distract ourselves, and ultimately that will hurt us in the long run. 
Instead, when we have these sorrows and struggles, we cry out and we ask for help. And then ultimately, we respond by trust and praise. Selah. If every head's bowed and eyes closed, the band's going to come. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. Maybe you already practiced this and you're not scared to take your real problems to God. But too many of us, I think, are worried that God's going to think we're complaining when we talk about what's going on in our lives. The best thing you can do is to be honest. He already knows anyway. He sees you. The Bible goes as far to say that he knows the hairs on your head. He knows when you're struggling. He knows when there's pain. He knows when there's confusion. He knows when there's time when you think things are unfair. And the psalmists show us that that's okay to express. It's okay to, to cry those things out to God. But we also need to make sure that we don't stay there. That we ask for that help. And then we respond by trusting and praising that ultimately God has our good in mind. This morning as they play, let's take some time. Think on those things that we've bottled up those things that we've pushed to the back of our mind and ask ourselves, have I dealt with this? I felt like it's unfair, but I've never really talked to God about it. I've been in that place where I felt like God was sleeping or he was ignoring me. I didn't understand why he was being so quiet when I needed him. Tell him. You got to start with the crying out. Then ask for help. But ultimately land on the fact that you know that God loved you enough Come down and to live a life, to be tempted in every respect that we're tempted, and then to have everyone turn his, their backs on him and to die on the cross in your place. Let's take some time to pray. Cry out, ask for help, and respond in trust and praise.